Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Detailing Mind. I'm your host, Jason. I'm going to uh, mix it up a little bit this uh, episode, and I'm going to return to my uh, series, uh, Detailing Geekdom, and uh, kind of shift back towards uh, that uh, area of discussion for uh, this episode. Um... I promised uh, earlier that I'd do some more content uh, dealing with um, my favorite sci-fi and fantasy franchises, and I do promise to get around to doing a little bit more about Star Wars, my favorite uh, franchise. Um, I am looking at doing a review of The Mandalorian. Um... My wife is not a big Star Wars fan, but for whatever reason, she does like The Mandalorian. So I figured that, uh, well, actually, she recommended that I, you know, do a, a podcast review of the of the show. So uh, hopefully what I can do here, I'm, I'm hoping to get it done in December, but go through and do just a quick overview of season one of The Mandalorian and then do another compiled review of season two when season two is finished and then when season three kicks in do an episode by episode type of thing so uh here's hoping that i can get going on that um i am also going to work on another um podcast that deals with some more ideas about tv options that uh, Lucasfilm should really consider, especially since they technically do have two timelines at their disposal that they could garner tons and tons and tons of content from. And so I thought it would be pretty, uh, pretty fun to sit down and break down how many different seasons that Lucasfilm could use to, um, highlight the original timeline, the expanded universe. They call it Legends now. Um, so I've, I'm finishing up some of the uh, um, research on that as to all the different topics that they could cover, whether it's expanding content that's already in place or um, creating new content based off of the uh, small clippets here and there that they have on different eras in the original timeline that is Legends. So that's kind of on the on the works as well. Um, I'm hoping to get back into uh, sports. I did totally uh, um, fumble on covering my predictions for the uh, NBA Finals. Um, I guess I just got so busy doing other stuff that I missed out on the NBA Finals, but it's good to see uh, LeBron James take another team to the uh, Finals and win it. Uh, I'm not a terribly big basketball fan, but when I watch basketball, it's to watch LeBron James because I think he's, you know, this uh, decade's version of Michael Jordan. So it's always interesting to watch him play and watch him take a team that probably doesn't have a very good chance of winning the finals and turning them around and making them a uh, a championship team. So um, I'll have to 
get down and busy with uh, the NFL here since they're kind of underway. Um, and I also should talk about uh, um, the new uh, professional league for rugby in the United States and some of the teams that uh, they have and and uh, run through that and pick a team and all that fun jazz. So that's kind of some th- things that I have uh, um, on the plate right now for uh, future podcasts. Uh, I'm also uh, looking at introducing a uh, um, an original from my part called Aviator's Voyage, which is just to kind of you know write a fictional story based around my uh, um, time as an airline pilot. So and mix it in with sci-fi and some other fun stuff like that. So I, I I'm in the works of of doing that original series so hopefully here i can get a a quick sneak peek uh episode out next month in in december as kind of a christmas gift to to uh start up that series um right now i'm trying to make each episode work so that each month's theme you know like saint patrick's day or something like that or fourth of july each episode or each short story because that's what it started off as short stories but each episode would be theme based off of each month that it gets released in so um hopefully i can get that going as well as long as some of the other star wars uh and other uh uh, penmanship projects i have going on right now so hopefully i can get a whole bunch more content coming out here uh, next month and into uh, 2021 so that's kind of where i'm at right now for some of the quick updates, uh, um, although a lot of this stuff doesn't help because I do spend quite a bit of time in front of the TV, uh, in front of the computer screen playing my uh, my favorite uh, video game right now, and that's uh, World of Warcraft, which unfortunately for all you fans who don't like World of Warcraft, that's what this episode is going to be about. So um, I guess without further ado, on to the Detailing Geekdom and... Uh, uh, and this episode, which is all about max level. So, um, probably about a month ago or so, I finally got both of my, my, uh, tunes, my World of Warcraft characters to max level, uh, level 120, which for those of you who do play, that's no longer accurate because they did a uh, level shrink in anticipation for the new expansion that's coming out in less than two days. Um... I think it's November 23rd it comes out. Monday night, whatever that comes out to be. I think it's the 23rd. Um, The new expansion comes out. It was supposed to come out about a month ago. I think it was October 19th or something like that. But they postponed the the release of the new expansion pack by about five weeks. I think they said they had some technical issues. They needed to work out some glitches or whatever. So... Um, they postponed the release of their their newest expansion pack, Shadowlands. And in the meantime, they came out with a bunch of pre-patch uh, content. They shrunk everybody's character down from max level of 120 down to 50. So I got to uh, enjoy being max level 120 for about a week, and then they shrunk it down. For both of my characters, my main tune, which is uh, Blood Elf Paladin on the Horde side, as well as my Worgen Warrior on the Alliance side. So, um, 
So that's kind of where I'm at with my with my uh, gameplay is I got both of them maxed out. So then I started going around and doing some um, frivolous things. Like I'm going around uh, basically uh, farming uh, content for mount drops. And I've been trying to find a lot of those mounts that I had mentioned in a previous episode. I got a bunch of them. Um, I was going at it as often as I could uh, during the Halloween uh version of the holiday that they have in World of Warcraft trying to get the Headless Horseman mount. The only thing I got was his uh, sword. And normally what they do is they drop the mount, they drop the uh, helm, they drop the sword, and there's like one other piece of content from that whole uh, in-game holiday. But uh, I can't remember what the other item is, and I only got the sword, so whoopty freaking da. But um, So that's kind of what I've been doing for... Uh, the time being, kind of waiting for the uh, timer to tick down to uh, the launch of Shadowlands. Um, just kind of going on reputation uh, grinds, trying to get up to Exalted so I can get a new mount. Uh, going and running a whole bunch of content so I can get achievements, which will get me a new mount or other things. You know, uh, get some armor so that I can, you know, I call it transmogrify, which is... You can have any piece of armor look like any other piece of armor. So cosmetic, basically. So I've been going around getting armor sets that I like their cosmetic look. So I, you know, will get that and, and uh, change my suit up to look like these different armor sets that I like. Basically a bunch of friv- frivolous bullshit just to kind of pass the time away. So that's what I've been doing, you know, with my tune progress. Um, I have been trying to, you know, do as much... Uh, of the current content as I can. Uh, the current expansion pack out right now is Battle for Azeroth. And uh, unfortunately, I've been really uh, ignoring a good chunk of the content. Um, on the Horde side, you go to Zandalar, which is uh, the homeland of like the original tribe of, of trolls. And... So I completed the whole opening zone for them. And I think, if I recall correctly, I got done with the second of three zones. Um, and overall, it was pretty fun. You know, it, it I, I did enjoy it. A lot of people don't like the content um, in Battle for Azeroth. But uh, I actually enjoyed the content. I enjoyed, you know, Question and Zandalar. I enjoyed the, the first two zones. I didn't really pick the, the third zone because it's more of a desert uh, wasteland type of a thing. And it kind of reminds me of some of the other content that you can see questing in other zones. So I didn't really get into that one too much. Um, but I did do quite... I did complete the uh, first uh, the first zone of Zoldazar as well as the second zone of Nazmir. And I, I enjoyed it. I think the storyline was pretty cool. You know, you basically, in the first zone, you're basically just trying to, you know, gain the trust of the Zandalari king, you know, and try to help him mop up any local uh, rivalries that could possibly threaten his time in the crown, as well as uncover some dire plans elsewhere, which leads you into the second zone, which is Nazmir. And you find out that some of the other uh, um, tribes that kind of fall in as minor tribes underneath the Zandalari tribe, some of them start going over and uh, 
dabbling with uh, blood magic and turning them into blood trolls. And they basically become cannibalistic and, you know, evil-looking and all that stuff. You know, their bodies become twisted and all that stuff. And so you have to basically put down that whole faction of blood trolls who are turning to the dark arts, you know, and trying to usurp the kingdom for their for their own uh, purposes. And if I recall correctly, you get you find out that they're in league with one of the old gods uh, who's trying to make a comeback into the world and kind of rule supreme again. So um, that was kind of a, a pretty fun storyline. Uh, on my alliance character, I did the uh, Kul'tiris, um experience for Battle for Azeroth. Kind of the same thing, you know, the... The, the Horde have the Zandalari trolls, which they've had trolls before as a playable race with with uh, the tribe that you're part of and why and the backstory behind why they joined the Horde. Now you get a second troll faction or tribe that comes in, joins the Horde, and this is their story. Same thing with the with the, the Kul Tirans. Uh, they're another faction of humans who kind of disappeared from the, the story, mostly. Uh, they were introduced in Warcraft 2, they had a little small part to play in Warcraft 3, and I think even the expansion pack, there was a little bit of mention about them. But after the uh, uh, real-time strategy games like Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, after they came to an end with those with that style of, of video game, and they introduced World of Warcraft, you really didn't hear too much about Kul Tiris. Um, Kul Tiris, I, I would say, think of Kul Tiris like... Uh, um, the British Empire in a movie like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. That's kind of who they were. You know, they're real. They're like the uh, the seafaring uh, empire with the Admiralty that you'd see in any colonial movie. That that's kind of how that uh, faction of or kingdom of humans were depicted in World of Warcraft. Um, and so. It was fun to see them get reintroduced into World of Warcraft. And so, you know, on my Alliance side, I went to their start zone, if you will, for that expansion pack, uh, Terragard. And basically, it's all about trying to, once again, win over the uh, respect and trust of the Proud Moor family, which is the leading house that rules Kul Tiris. Um... You learn more about the break between one of the main characters, Jaina, which you see throughout Warcraft 3 and throughout World of Warcraft, and why she broke and became ostracized by the rest of her family, House uh, uh, Proudmoor, and basically why she becomes estranged from her people there in Kul Tiris. So uh, it was kind of fun to kind of run through that and see that and kind of find out that there is one of the, the minor houses that's going all Game of Thrones style on House Proudmoor trying to usurp their rule and kind of take over the kingdom and possibly hand the kingdom over to either the Horde or somebody else. Um, to be honest, I don't remember who the uh, minor house figurehead is aligned with. It could be the Horde, it could be... Uh, some other group I honestly can't remember. Um, and then after you after you finished the Tear Guard zone, you, I went into a Drustvar, uh, 
Um, and that was actually kind of cool too because it kind of went into like the old school Salem vibe, you know, with the the creepy forest, yeah, like the the wooden, um, like deer antlered heads for witches and all that kind of, uh, you know, sixteenth and seventeenth century uh, witchcraft theme to it. And you find out I'm like halfway through the Drustbar campaign, but you find out that uh, basically there's a bunch of witches that are trying to take over and. I think they're in league with the former occupants of the island um, who the humans of Colteris killed off way back in the day, thousands of years ago or whenever it was, when uh, they first landed on Colteris and took over the island and made it their own. They basically eradicated the original people that were living there and claimed it as their own, and their ghosts survived, and now they're working with witches to kind of bring bring them back, that type of thing. So that's kind of the uh, the big content behind uh, Battle for Azeroth in terms of their two main areas that they uh, um, focus on. Zandalar for the uh, Zandalari trolls, and Kul'Tiris for the Kul'Tiran humans. Um I did do a little bit with the island expeditions, and it kind of makes sense, you know. Uh, it was kind of a fun twist. Kind of gives you, like, a bunch of different little um, PvP arenas where you can go in there, player-to-player, and combat for the, the, the resources of that island. Because basically what's going on is there's a war between the Horde and the Alliance for resources, uh, like Azerite ore and a whole bunch of other ore. Uh, and so what you're trying to do is you're trying to f- basically make a grab for land and resources, like any empire was doing hundreds of years ago all the way up until now practically. And so that's kind of the, the whole vibe that you get is that, uh, you know, when you're not fighting for the mainland uh, islands like uh, Kul'Tiris or Zandalar, you're fighting for some of these smaller islands to gain, gain control of them, gain control of their resources, and use that to the war front so that it helps your faction win the war, so to speak. So that was kind of interesting. You know, you go in there and you kind of fight against the other faction and try to steal the, the resources of that little island, and then you come across the uh, the neutral denizens of that island, whether it's... a uh, uh, the Verkle uh, tr- uh, clan, or it's it could be another neutral troll tribe. It could be, you know, another subsect of of uh, humans that kind of did their own thing and become like a pirate group. You know, they basically had a whole bunch of different, you know, neutral or third party factions that they introduced or reintroduced into the game to fill the island with, you know another faction other than just you and your opposing faction going at it, swinging at each other with swords. So they bring a little bit of story into it just to kind of help fill it in and, and make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish that I had spent a little bit more time on the island expeditions, but uh, I didn't. So uh, what I did spend time on was the war fronts, which I, I thought was a really great idea. I kind of like that idea. I like the idea of uh, PvP where you can have particular zone that is set aside as one massive arena and you can just go in there and kind of take control of it um and it helps really fit into the story as well uh the two warfronts that i'm aware of are dark shore and uh 
the Arathi Highlands. Um, and it doesn't really make sense to uh, try to describe exactly where they're at, but one of, each one is on one of the two major continents. Uh, the Arathi Highlands, that's the one that... Uh, Lore wise, and makes the most you know the most appeal for me because it's where most of the video games take place. You go harking back to Warcraft Two and those real turn real time strategy games. Uh, you see action that takes place in the Arathi Highlands with the Kingdom of Strongguard. Well, in this Warfront, you find out that the Alliance, along with survivors from the Kingdom of Strongguard, are try are fighting to take back the Arathi Highlands so they can reestablish and you know rebuild the kingdom of Strongguard. And the horde who presently occupy that the that grasslands area um they're obviously trying to stop it because that's their opponent and They've laid claim to it now, so it's theirs, you know, and so, um, so the you got the uh, you got one clan of the orcs, and you got the humans of Stromgard fighting over that area to kind of reclaim it. Um, same thing over on the other continent, on in the zone of Darkshore, you've got the uh, night elves fighting the the undead Forsaken, and so, um. And I think that zone kind of makes the most sense because recently what kicked off the whole battle for Azeroth was both the Night Elves and the Forsaken lost their capital city. Um, the undead Forsaken during the battle for Azeroth, right in the opening part of it, they go in there and they actually burn the world tree of the Night Elves. And it was an island that was one massive tree that was supposed to be like their renewed fount of immortality, but it didn't quite work too well. Uh, something corrupted it, so they never got their mortality back, and it became a failed world tree. Um, well, the Forsaken, undead, they go and burn it down, and then they start attacking uh, right across the uh, the lake, from that island on the mainland, the, the Dark Shore Zone, they start attacking that. And that's where you get the second war front uh, is there. Now, between the time that the World Tree gets burnt down and, and the Forsaken start their attack on Dark Shore, you do find out that the Alliance in retaliation attacks the Forsaken at their capital city and as kind of a parting gift for the Forsaken, when they flee the battle, they basically blight the whole, most of the zone, making the whole, most of that, most of that zone, or that good chunk of the zone, uninhabitable for even the undead. And so they come up with a special uh, ooze-like thing, if you remember Ninja Turtles, the movie or the cartoon, like this green liquid stuff that basically kills everything, even the undead, and they just basically just blight all the way, all through their their original uh, start zone, their original territory, and their capital city, rendering it completely uninhabitable. And then they go and live somewhere else, or are in the process of looking for a new homeland. So, 
I'll kind of talk about that later. But that's kind of where you get these war fronts from, is these renewed tensions and, and uh, conflicts that erupt between the Horde and the Alliance following the events of the previous Expansion Pack Legion. And I thought they did a pretty good job. Overall, I did like the content. I did like how they introduced more of the um, uh, factions into it. You know, they had they had both of them, but they had both Kul'Tiras and Zandalari in the original game, the original uh, World of Warcraft. And they did make mention of them here and there throughout some of the expansions. But you never really got to see, basically, their homeland. You never got to see Zandalar. You never got to see Kul'Tiras. You just saw, you know, sailors or you, or you, from Kul'Tiras, or you saw um, a Zandalari town that was built uh, off the shores of the mainland in somebody else's territory, you know. So you never would actually got to see their homeland. You would only see fractions of them spread throughout the current content. So with Battle for Azeroth, I'd like that they actually fully brought them into the story and made and had them join their respective uh, factions as full-fledged members with their own capital, their own, I guess, start zone, if you will, because you can play... Um, Zandalari trolls and Kul'Tiran humans as what they call allied races. Um, they're basically just a variation of the core races that you get to play as. So, for example, with the humans, you have your core human you can play, but then you have uh, the Kul'Tiran human you can unlock and play as an allied race. Same thing with the trolls. You had your typical troll that you can make, and they were technically a jungle troll, so a little bit different in, in the how they looked. And then you can unlock the Zandalari troll and play it as an allied uh, race um, once you've completed each faction's uh, um, storyline and get to exalted reputation, do some other stuff on the side. And so I actually went and did that for a couple other uh, uh, allied races. So, so far I've unlocked the, the, the Void Elf and the uh, Nightborn. Um hoping to start characters for both of those. Um so I did kind of, I so I did like that content. Um and I do recommend people go and, and play Battle for Azeroth. Uh it is a fun uh expansion pack. I know a lot of people don't like it. I've heard people say there's too much going on, you know. Um but in a way that's kind of true about every expansion pack. I think they try to throw in as much content as they can to keep people interested and um, keep them coming back for more. Um, now, that being said, um, I do kind of agree with them on that. I do think that there's some things that they should just kind of leave for a new expansion. And yet, at the same time, I do like that they introduced it into the game. Uh, and that deals with the, uh, the Naga, which are... A serpentine, serpentine type underwater uh, group of uh, creatures in, in World of Warcraft, um, and throughout you know from the start of the uh, of World of Warcraft, you you see them. You, they they come in in their own tribes, just like every other race in the game. They're on fat. They're on little minor factions. The Naga don't really align with anybody. They're kind of their neutral team. 
Or in the case of Lore, you find out that they are generally aligned with the Burning Legion or the demons. Um, but in the case of World of Warcraft, a lot of them will just be their own... They're just independently uh, affiliated. They'll just do their own thing. They'll stay neutral. They'll just attack everybody. And so they have really no sense of direction. You find out that they still have their, their head queen, but it seems like each tribe kind of operates on its own, even though they, they all pay fealty to the, the head Naga queen. You know? And so... Um, for the first time, they actually do introduce the head queen of the Naga, which is Queen Azshara, and they introduce basically the quote-unquote homeland or the home zone of the Naga, which is Naz Jader. Um, and this is kind of where I agree with them, that, that some material they should have just kept for a later expansion pack, and I do agree that they should have kept Naz Jader for other content. Um... I just started playing that content uh, when the pre-patch stuff for the Shadowlands expansion pack dropped in. So I unfortunately haven't been able to really sit down and uh, eye over the uh, um, the details of the uh, the Naga portion of Battle for Azeroth. Uh, because from what I'm noticing is, is the Naga decided to join forces with some of the old gods and in a way they kind of make this battle over Azeroth and its resources kind of a three-way battle between the Horde, the Alliance, and a kind of a loose affiliation of old god uh, factions. That's kind of my take on it. I'm sure, you know, someone could, you know, easily look up uh, and get a, a a much deeper understanding of the lore behind it and really school me on it. But that's kind of my understanding of of the uh, the story plot for Battle for Azeroth. Is turns into a three-way battle between the Naga and the old god, other old god factions, as well as the Horde and the Alliance. Um, so I am looking forward to continuing on with the uh, um, with the content that's in that's in the uh, quote unquote underwater zone of uh, Naz Jader, but uh, um, I do kind of wish that they had made it their own separate uh, expansion pack. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, hopefully I can get done with that content uh, by, the end of the mo- by the end of the month or maybe the end of this year, by the end of December. Um, but I guess we'll see how engaged I get with Shadowlands. I might just go and play the Naz Jader... Uh, portion of Battle for Azeroth where everyone's enjoying Shadowlands and then come in after the initial hype is done and then, you know, play. So I guess we'll see. Um, So that's kind of my take on Battle for Azeroth. I overall liked it. Uh, I think mainly for the the lore that they bring into it, you know, the the continuation of a bunch of different factions, adding in new factions, uh, like, for example, the house, the different houses that make up the Kingdom of Kul they really make it into kind of a uh, Game of Thrones type thing where you have major houses and minor houses and, you know, they're all kind of vying for control even though it's House Proudmore that's kind of at the top rule and everything and, you know, they're trying to do undercut here, undercut there, undermine in this other way and it's it's pretty interesting. So, um, 
overall, I would say, even though I, I'm more of a Horde player when it comes to my tunes uh, and, and all that stuff, I do enjoy the Kul uh whole story plot or storyline more than I like the Zandalari uh, storyline. So... Um, so that's kind of the my cr- cr- quick critique of Battle for Azeroth. Same thing with my my uh, um, tune progress and how I'm progressing with those guys. Uh, when it comes to the horde, I play on uh, Storm Reaver. When it comes to the alliance, I play on Black Hand. So if anyone's listening that's on uh, either of those servers, you know, just look for Jason Zoll and that's me. Um, in terms of my Future tunes that I want to make is, you know, which I don't know how much time I'm going to have with making future uh, characters. But as I mentioned, I unlocked the, the Void Elves, which are basically just a branch of the, the Blood Elves or, or High Elves. So it's kind of in the same family. Um, Nightborn, it's kind of the same thing. They're just a branch off from Night Elves. Um, basically, there's Night Elves, and then from Night Elves, you get two offshoots. You get the Nightborn and the Highborn. Uh, the Nightborn, you know, they, they're actually, they were just recently introduced into uh, the Legion's content as being a separate, you know, like sub-race of the, of the Night Elves. But in Warcraft 3, they are basically Night Elves. Um, so I have to, I'd actually have to sit down and re, reread the whole lore behind the what separated them into Nightborn as compared to uh, just being a regular Night Elf. Um, there's, there are a couple physical differences, but otherwise they're pretty much Night night Elves. But uh, um, So yeah, the uh, the Night Elves, they still are around. And they, they gave birth to the offshoot that is the Nightborn and then the Highborn. And then the Highborn became or kind of slowly evolved into the High Elves. And then the High Elves, there's, they kind of gave birth to uh, one offshoot, which is the Blood Elves, and then um, the Void Elves. A Void Elf could could have been either a High Elf or a Blood Elf beforehand, before they became a Void Elf. Um, so that's kind of how like the whole family tree breaks down. And Nightborn too, there's a bunch of different uh, subdivisions for Highborn. Um, to be honest, I can't remember some of them right offhand. I know one of them is half night elf, or ha- I should say half nightborn, and half spider. So they kind of mutate in that regard. I think it's because they they uh, start practicing like dark magic or so some sort of uh, uh, demon type magic, and they kind of get twisted into half half night elf, half uh, um, spider. Um, but I can't exactly remember. I probably should. Uh, do some episode on that, just how the different elf uh, factions break down or kind of splinter off from the original night elves. So, but anyway, that's kind of what I'm looking at doing is I'm um, looking at creating some some new tunes, some new characters. Um, Void elf and nightborn are the two high, uh, the two uh, top ones uh, high on the list of new uh, characters I want to make. Also, I want to recreate an undead and a night elf. Um, but I haven't, uh, gotten around to recreating an, an undead and a a night elf like what I had before. Also wanting to do a dark iron dwarf. 
uh, to one of, once again, one of the faction or allied races that kind of came in here into the scene where you can unlock them based off of doing a bunch of quests and all that stuff. And they look pretty, pretty interesting, you know. Uh, um, so I figured it'd be kind of cool to try one of those out. Uh, likewise, I want to try to expand my gameplay besides just doing a paladin or a, a warrior. Uh, I'm looking at trying a hunter or a demon hunter, death knight, rogue, warlock, maybe even a monk. So I'm really trying to figure out, uh, what combo to kind of put together with, uh, the other races. You know, like I said, void elf, nightborn, undead, night elf, uh, Dark Iron Dwarf, maybe even a troll somewhere in there too, I don't know. So we'll see what kind of combo I come up with in the end. But as of right now, I'm still just stuck with doing uh, my Blood Elf Paladin and my Worgen Warrior. So that might be all the time I have for. We'll see. Um, but uh, the pre-patch stuff for, for Shadowlands I think is is pretty... It's, it's okay. I'll put it that way. It's okay. They tried to copy the... Uh, um, undead invasions from when the, from the pre-patch to uh, Wrath of the Lich King, where they had a bunch of random encounters where the undead would just invade uh, key towns and the capital cities for each race. And what would happen is, is if you got attacked or quote-unquote bitten by one of the undead, you would be uh, infected and you had, I think it was like, it was less than a minute to go and find a healer or a healing station somewhere to get healed of or cured of the uh, disease. If not, you actually turn into a ghoul or a skeleton or something like that, and you would could then you could turn around and start attacking people. I thought that was kind of cool. You know, they, you know, your your screen would change, your your action bar at the bottom would change into like five or six basic things that you could do, and you basically became, uh, you know, uh, an undead, and you'd run around and attack people and. You can attack other players. You can attack the uh, other de uh, NPC uh, denizens of each city. And it was actually pretty cool um, in Wrath of the Lich King. Because, I mean, it was pretty much any... You you, pr you had a pretty good chance of becoming infected anytime you went to a, a major city and to a capital city. And so uh, uh, for a while there, the chaos that ensued because of that really made the... You know, took the game for a really sweet twist. Not so much this time around. I mean, people, I don't know. It's just not that big of an event compared to when it first came out in, you know, right before Wrath of the Lich King came out. But I think it was also kind of one of those things that just suddenly dropped in there and, and boom, all of a sudden chaos in the streets and everyone's running around trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, I think with this time, this time around, they kind of gave a little hint, hey, this is coming. So people were ready for it. And so it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, they're also doing some pre-patch content back up in Northrend and Ice Crown where the original Lich King, uh, had his throne. And basically it's kind of just a big nod to Wrath of the Lich King. You know, you, you see a bunch of bosses or, or major villains from that, uh, era of, of the game being respawned to come back for one big hurrah, you know. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know, what it's also being used as is a retooling mechanism so players can get retooled so they're at least decent going into the Shadowlands. Um, because if you're not properly tooled for going in there, apparently it's going to be uh, one hell of a leveling experience. So they're 
making sure that people who aren't properly tooled to go into the new expansion get the proper gear so that uh, the expansion is not a headache. So, you know, it's it's fun. The, the nostalgia is fun. You know, getting some new gear is fun. It's, it, it's kind of cool. I admit, you know, to get on like a 10-minute timer where one you know one boss spawns up comes back to life you go and attack them and then you've got it every 10 minutes you know there's another one that spawns up um so that's kind of fun you chasing all chasing them all across the uh, the the map trying to get to them and in between it you got other uh daily quests again i get you prepped and ready to go for uh, the the uh the launch of it uh monday evening so um it could be better, but then again, I mean, I don't have any ideas for alternative uh, things they could have done, so I can't really point fingers at it and say, hey, that's a dumb idea. I think they're doing a, a decent job with it, and it's a pre-patch. It's not supposed to be anything spectacular, just to kind of get people interested and, and geared up and ready to go for uh, for the new content. So um, that's kind of what I see going on with that. My take on the the pre-patch uh, um, content. The only th- other thing that I can think of to talk about is, whereas most people are right now discussing, oh, what's going to happen with Shadowlands? Who's the, the jailer? Is he a new character? Or is he somebody that we know from the past that's making a grand reappearance? You know, so while everyone's kind of, you know, whispering rumors about, the content for Shadowlands, what it's going to be about, and all that stuff. I'm actually looking beyond that as to what's going to be the next step. What's going to be the next expansion? What's it going to look like? How are they going to change things up with Shadowlands? Because basically Shadowlands is the afterworld. And basically, from the gist of it, gist of it is from what I've understood is that you're going into the afterworld, into the... Uh, um, purgatory, if you will, to fix a problem that's developed. Um, and someone's trying to mix up and, and change how the system works. And so you got to go in there and make sure the system doesn't get changed, doesn't get broken, or you got to put it back together. There's some reason why you got to go into the afterlife into the underworld and try to fix things. So that's that's basically the overall gist I got from it. Um, but I'm thinking, well, what's the what's what's it going to look like afterwards? What are they going to do after this? Because I noticed that the more they come out with expansion packs, the more they keep backing themselves into a corner for content and, and new ideas to kind of take the story to the next chapter, if you will. And so I kind of came up with three different... Um, ideas for what where they could take the franchise afterwards after Shadowlands. Uh the first one is uh a war between the light and the void, which you got light magic and you got the void magic or, or shadow magic. And I can see that uh being a big part of a future expansion pack, especially since when you um finish up playing Warlords of Draenor, which is an alternate timeline event that takes you to, like I said, an alternate version of 
the orcish homeworld of Draenor, you leave that alternate world where there is a growing um, Draenei um, faction that's building there, and they're like extremists. Uh, from what somebody said, is they actually turn into like like a, like Catholic Church. This is the Spanish Inquisition type of extremists, you know, uh, uh, Muslim terrorist type extremists in that alternate uh, timeline. So I could see the light, I can see a, a war that's pitted the light versus the void. Um, and having that extreme version of the Draenei invading and coming into the main timeline, trying to go on a quote-unquote holy crusade in the name of the light and uh, purge, trying to purge the void and the, the darkness or the shadow magic as being like some sort of foul or, or dark, you know, evil uh, perversion of magic. I can see them doing that. Um, and that would give rise to Blizzard being able to bring in another faction or another race of beings that have basically shed their mortal body and became basically pure energy and they're they're the uh, the ethereals and the only way you know that they're there basically is that they're they wrap themselves in linen they kind of like mummies but i mean they kind of glow through the uh in between the bandages that they they wrapped up in so they they look pretty cool but they are generally more void oriented so i can see a war between this, these ethereals and these this alternate Draenor faction of uh, light extremists uh, of the Draenei kind of butting heads and taking this war to the main timeline. Um, I think it'd be kind of an an interesting way to kind of deal with it. You know the. The, the issue with the Shadowlands has now changed. You know, whatever the system was in the Shadowlands and the afterlife has now been broken, and that kind of sets everything anew. Now everything's up for grabs, you know. Now, now that the old system of how things work in the afterlife is now shattered or gone, I'm assuming that's the way they're going to take this whole story. Now you've got all these factions trying to vibe for, you know, who becomes head supreme, if you will. And I can see that happening with uh, Light versus Void. It'd be a good option for them to expand even more into the uh, Warcraft uh, universe and do what they did in in, uh, in Outland, where they take you to Draenor, or, or uh, Outland, which is the broken remains of Draenor. They took you in Warlords of Draenor to the alternate version of Draenor. In Legion, they take you to other worlds in the galaxy of Warcraft, so you actually, it's almost like Stargate. You go through a portal and boom, you're on another planet. So this whole light versus void war, there you go. Now you have a bunch of different worlds that you can go to. You got the ethereal homeworld. I mean, you've got Argus, which is the original homeworld of the Draenei before it was infested and destroyed and mutilated into the Burning Legion's homeworld. You know, you've they could introduce a whole bunch of planets where it becomes like a galactic situation where you got the light versus the void. And you can introduce other characters, you know, other other races from all these other planets. You can expand on the void elves because they became the void elves from their interaction and their exposure to the, vo the, the shadow magic and the void itself. 
you know, a whole bunch of stuff they can go into with that. So I think that's probably going to be where they go next. Um, the other one is um, expand on on the Naga. The Naga so far have, have not really been the main uh, villains yet. Queen Ashra has... Queen Ashra could be a main villain in that she technically still holds sway over all the Naga tribes that are on Azeroth. And so I kind of hope that they would uh, expand on the Nazjader zone as well as the other underworld underwater zone that they came out with in the Cataclysm expansion pack. Because, um, you know, the both of them are basically the same size, even though the one from Cataclysm is three small mini-zones in that area. But I wish that they would take Naz Jader and the other underwater zones, expand it into basically an underwater continent, and turn that into a major uh, um, conflict where the Naga have now basically united you know, Queen Ashura or maybe her successor steps in and says, all right, this is our world. We're going to take it. You know, the the rules have changed because Shadowlands, because of the ending of Shadowlands. Now it's our turn to step back in and reclaim our our rightful place as being the head of Azeroth or whatever bullshit, you know. I, I really hope that they really expand on the Naga, expand on Naz Jader and all the other underwater areas that the Naga control as well as have them kind of do their own little invasion as some sort of a pre-patch uh, event for that possible expansion pack. Have them start, you know, just uh, um, invading the coastline D-Day style all over the uh, the map of Azeroth. You know, North Northrend or Pandaria, those two smaller uh, continents, or the main two continents of Kalimdor, Eastern Continents. Or Eastern Kingdoms, I'm sorry. Uh, or even some of the islands like uh, uh, the Broken Isles or um, Zandalar or Kulteris. And some of the other islands that they either have not shown yet or are island expeditions. You know, they have a whole bunch of things they can do to uh, reintroduce the, the Naga as a primary antagonist for both the Alliance and the Horde. And they really have the numbers; they can do it. I mean, they're everywhere. They, in a way, they 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 kind of they're kind of like rabbits. They just breed and breed, and they just kind of repopulate. And you see them everywhere. They're practically in every zone, on every continent, on on and on every planet, except for uh, Draenor. But they're on Outland, the uh, the main timeline broken remains of Draenor, Outland. But they're not on old on alternate timeline Draenor. So. Um, Hey, it's a, it's a possibility. Have the Naga kind of be that group that says, "Hey, we want to, you know, make them if anything make them into the uh the uh from the deep sea Nazis, you know, make them the Nazi group that wants we want to take over everything." Yeah. You know, and then just phew, have them try to take over the whole world of Azeroth and then Draenor or alternate timeline Draenor, all the other places that they can. You know, they kind of have the, the big baddie vibe going with how they're designed. Might as well try it. Um, and, you know, what would be really nice, too, is it gives them the option to not only introduce a new underwater subcontinent, you know, by taking Nas Jader and some of the other uh, underwater areas, 
kind of merging them into an underwater continent. But it also gives them the option to start introducing more islands into the game that haven't been introduced yet. You've got uh, Undermine, which I think was part of the island of Kazan for uh, the original homeworld or the, the original homeland of the, uh, the goblins. But I think that volcano went supernova and just lava filled that, that whole place. But I imagine because Undermine was an underground um, capital that was underneath the volcano, maybe they got spared that kind of volcanic devastation. Whereas the surface cities and towns on the island of Kazan got wiped out, they survived. So maybe we introduce that in there. Hell, you could even introduce it as some sort of a a warped version of the 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 goblins, like another cartel prince, kind of takes over and they're kind of like a mutated, corrupted version of the the goblins, and they become a problem as well. Maybe, you know. Align with the uh, the Naga. You can do that. You can introduce uh, Plunder Isle, which is basically like Pirate Central. So if you remember from the Pirates of the Caribbean, that they had like that the island that was where all of the pirate pirate groups went to kind of meet and do their little pirate uh, confederation thing. That's basically Plunder Isle, you know. Um, in a way, they kind of hinted that and kind of draw just randomly grasp at that with the Kul'Tiris content um, in uh, Battle for Azeroth. There's a lot of pirate stuff going on, you know, and, and you get to kind of see that whole side of it, you know, because as I mentioned before, Kul'Tiris is kind of portrayed in, in Battle for Azeroth as being like the British Empire that you'd see from the, the colonial period, 16th and 17th centuries, you know, 18th centuries. So... That's the vibe they got. They gave off, and of course, with, whenever you have that vibe going on, like in Pirates of the Caribbean, you're gonna have pirates, you know. So I think they could really play into that whole role too, where you could go off and instead of working with your faction, you could also join a variety of uh, uh, pirate groups. You know, they've got like I want to say four or five different pirate groups that you see in the um, other content, whether it's original WoW content or. Um, Cataclysm or Wrath of the Lich King, they've got a, a good chunk of different pirate groups. Why not make it into a full-fledged thing where you can join one of the pirate groups? Kind of like in Shadowlands, they have like covenants. You can pick one covenant, one of four covenants to join, and each one kind of has a theme to them. Why not do the same thing with pirate groups and this potential uh, expansion pack that I'm discussing? You know, you can join the... Uh, Blood Sail Buccaneers or the uh, South Sea uh, Pirates, you know, and then you can work up your reputation with that, you know, and maybe even introduce some uh, uh, high seas combat where you can, you know, man your own uh, fleet of ships and kind of like a, uh, um, I don't know, like a battleship type of a event, you know, only much more live action, you know, strategy game kind of. Like chess, only with uh, pirate ships and stuff like that. I don't know. You know, it's. I think they have a lot of options they can use to keep themselves from getting backed in the corner. And I think that would be a pretty good one. You know, if anything, it'd be just kind of a quick expansion, just to kind of rehash some content and uh, put it out there for for fans to keep them appeased while they work on another main story.
Um, so that's kind of my second idea is uh, a war, you know, between the, uh, the, the landfarers and the seafarers, you know, the Naga versus a whole bunch of other people, uh, the Horde, the Alliance, pirate groups, other independent groups, basically the Naga try to take it on all of them to themselves. The last one I have is, um, I call it the caravans or I'm sorry, caverns of time crisis. Uh, and throughout the other content, you hear about the infinite dragon flight, which is a group of dragons that are responsible for, uh, trying to corrupt and change the timeline. So you go back into the past and you try to stop them from changing the timeline that will have drastic effects on the rest of the story. You know, so they go back and they try to stop and kill Arthas before he becomes the Lich King to kind of change the timeline so much that uh, none of the stuff happens, you know. Or something as basic as they try to go back in time and stop Medivh, the sorcerer Medivh, from opening the Dark Portal, which brings the orcs to uh, um, Azeroth, the world of Azeroth, in Warcraft 1, you know. And I think it'd be a good idea because they already kind of did it with uh, Warlords of Draenor. You kind of go back in time a little bit as well as go to an alternate timeline. Um, so why not kind of capitalize on that idea? And what they could do is they can have pre-patch uh, events where each race or groups of race, they can go back and do... Um, some sort of a story or, or uh, an event from their past. So, for example, the, the, the jungle trolls, they can go back and, you know, um, help um, help uh, the, uh, the downfall of the Gurubashi uh, troll empire. That's what happened. They could go back in time and prevent the infinite dragon flight from trying to keep the Gurubashi empire together by undermining it and actually helping dispose of that empire that once made the trolls great, you know? Um, so that's kind of the idea I had is have it based around and have it kind of culminate in this going back in time, kind of like what they did with Warlords of Draenor, but only going back into the past. And that's the war of the ancients. It takes place like 10,000 years before the game's, and stop the Burning Legion from entering the world of Azeroth for the first time. So, um, I think that would be a good idea, too. I mean, they already got Caverns of Time. Uh, they already been doing that. They already, like I said, they already did Warlords of Draenor with the same concept of going back in time and as well as into an alternate timeline. So, why not do it with... Uh, with uh, the War of the Ancients, have them go back all the way to when it all began content wise and fight on the ancient um continent of Kalimdor fight the burning legion coming in you know and and, and get to see a whole new take on some of the uh, different uh factions whether it's the night elves the tauren or the trolls or anybody else so um well that's all i have for tonight uh just kind of my thoughts on on the World of Warcraft going into the uh, the Shadowlands uh, release here within two days, within 48 hours away. So uh, 
We'll see how my, my tune changes. Until then, I'll talk to you later.